I invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to Mark chapter 1, verse 35. We're continuing our study of the book of Mark, and my uh, hope as we look at the book of Mark is that Christ would be exalted, elevated before us, and that we would see how wonderful, how great he is, that we would uh, have a deeper understanding of the good news of who Jesus is and what he came and what he accomplished in time and space thousands of years ago that affects us even today. Uh, The good news of Jesus Christ as recorded by Mark, the gospel writer. Hear now God's word once again, verse 35 of chapter 1. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, Let us go on to the next next towns, that I may preach there also, for that is what I came for. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, And he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. And when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came, bringing to him a a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, He said to the paralytic, My son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there, questioning in their hearts, What does this man speak like that? Why does does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, Why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. He went out again beside the sea, and all the crowd was coming to him, and he was teaching them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, Follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as he reclined at table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? 
And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. May God bless the reading and hearing of his word to us this morning. You'll see there the title of the sermon today is Grace is Available for Sinners. The very last thing uh, we have read here this morning was that Jesus came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus is very interested in sinners. And nobody likes to be called a sinner, but the fact of the matter is we all are. And most of you being in church would probably embrace that fact and say, yes, I am a sinner. But often we don't really grasp the weight of that that we are sinners. We have to understand that we're sinners and it's very easy for us to become like these religious people who became very self-righteous. And we need to discern where we are with Jesus. Have we experienced His grace? There are certain people who experience God's grace in these four different episodes that we've read this morning uh, that we would think, wow, they... They really needed God's grace. And uh, they wouldn't have been the first people that we would have expected to receive God's grace. And then on the other hand, you have some people who you think, well, they're pretty good people. And God is probably pleased with the way they're living. But in the end, we find that Jesus is not pleased with them. Because they don't recognize their need for him. I want us this morning to recognize our need for Jesus. I want us all to evaluate our experience of God's grace. What's our relationship to Christ? And I want to look at these four different vignettes that we've read this morning in order and see four things. Number one, Jesus seeks sinners. Number two, Jesus cleanses sinners. Number three, Jesus forgives sinners. And number four, Jesus welcomes sinners. Now, this first episode, we see that Jesus seeks sinners. So Jesus is out. He's, he's gotten up very early in the morning. He's been doing a lot of preaching and healing and casting out demons. We've read about those in chapter 1. And uh, so he's rising very early in the morning while, while before the sun came up, while it was still dark. And he goes out to a, to a private, desolate place, and there he prays to his father. And people are looking for him. The disciples come to him and say, where, where have you been? Everybody's looking for you. So, so Jesus has all this popularity. Everybody wants to be around him. They've seen the amazing things that he's done and heard the amazing things that he's saying. And he's, they're very curious. But Jesus is not interested in being popular. He's not interested in... Uh, pandering to the crowd that's clamoring for his attention, but he's, he's wanting to go out. Let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. Parents, have you ever lost a child in a department store? Uh, I've done that, and man, when you rec- you know, you look around for that little boy or girl and you think where in the world have they gone has somebody 
taken them and snatched them away. You, you have your heart sinks down to your knees and you're in a state of panic. And then you go on this frantic search. Uh, Hancock Fabrics. I used to go there with my mother. My mother loved to sew. And I used to, you know, I was bored out of my mind. I would go look at the zippers or the buttons and, you know, wander around the different bolts of fabric. And I'm sure that happened to her a few times when I'd wandered off. But, you know, I was having a grand old time. Well, not really grand. How much fun can you have at a a material store? But I was trying to entertain myself. I was lost, actually, but I didn't recognize it. I've had that experience where my children have wandered off, gone look for them, found them, and lo and behold, they're having a good time playing and not even recognizing that they're lost. Well, we're like that in a way. We can sometimes be lost and not recognize it at all. And that's what Jesus came to do, to seek and to save that which is lost. And Jesus came seeking and saving a lot of lost people who didn't recognize that they were lost people. I wonder today if there are people here who do not recognize that they're lost. They're happily playing along in life with no idea. The wonderful thing is, even if you don't recognize it, Jesus has come to find you. Now, I've told you before that I'm notoriously bad at directions. I have no sense of direction. And uh, I will, you know, drive somewhere and be completely lost but not realize it. But at some point, eventually, you have to realize that you're lost uh, because you're not getting to where you're supposed to be going. I used to be a person who didn't like these iPhones and such. I just wanted to be able to call and text But I got this iPhone, and it's wonderful because when I get lost, that thing's got a GPS on it, and I can look, and it tells me exactly where I am. And I can type in where I'm going, and it tells me exactly how to get there. I just have to stop, pull over, don't text and drive. I have to stop and and look at that GPS and get my bearings. And I realize that I'm not lost anymore because I have consulted the GPS. Well, Jesus... It's kind of like that GPS. When we realize we're lost, we have to consult the person who knows the way or the GPS who knows the way. Jesus has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And he's come a long way to do that. He, the, 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 the idea that we have here in this passage that Jesus is saying, you know, I can't just stay here in Capernaum. I've got to go out. I've got to go and preach and teach and heal and cast out demons and do all those good works in other places. It's just a microcosm of his greater mission. I mean, he left Capernaum to go out through Galilee uh, preaching, healing, and touching people. But more than that, he left, as the hymn says, his father's throne above. He put on human flesh, so free, so infinite his grace. He emptied himself all but love and bled for Adam's helpless race. Jesus came to earth to seek and to save that which was lost. And once he got to earth, he kept on seeking and saving that which was lost. And today, he's seeking and saving that which was lost. Now, I don't know where you are spiritually. Uh, Maybe you're not seeking the Lord at all. Maybe you're not even aware that you're lost. Uh, But you're here today. 
And, you know, that in itself is God doing something. He got you up, got you here. Maybe you thought, well, you know, it was my decision. I got up and I decided to come to church. But it reminds me of that great hymn that, sadly, we don't sing very often, but it's in our hymn book. It says this, I sought the Lord, and afterward I knew he moved my soul to seek him, seeking me. It was not I that found, O Savior, true. No, I was found of thee. So when uh, the, the hymn writer reflects on his experience, he says, yes, I sought the Lord, but then I realized the Lord was working behind the scenes to cause me to seek him. It was the Lord who brought you here this morning. It was the Lord who wanted you to hear this message. He is seeking you even today. Will you consult him and find your way? Well, the second story we have here before us tells us that Jesus not only saves or seeks sinners, but he cleanses sinners. We have a leper who comes to him. He recognizes he has a need, and he cries out to Jesus, Lord, uh, if you will, you can make me clean. And it says here, moved with pity, with compassion, Jesus sees this man in his state, and he stretches out his hand and touches him and says to him, I will be clean. And, the, and he's healed of his leprosy. Now, leprosy was a term uh, in the Bible used to denote a, a number of uh, deforming and often fatal skin diseases. And, uh, and in many societies, people were quarantined who had these types of diseases. They were quarantined so they wouldn't have any contact with other people. If you look at Leviticus 13, you don't have to turn there, there are all kinds of rules and regulations that govern people with leprosy. It was kind of the AIDS of the day. People were outcasts. They, didn't, they, didn't, uh, they weren't able to be with society. It says in Leviticus 13, 45 to 46, the leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose, and he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, Unclean! Unclean! He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. So if you were a, a leper, you were outside the camp. You weren't allowed to associate with anybody. So not only were you quarantined, but you were considered ceremonially, ceremonially unclean, which meant that you weren't worthy to worship God because of your uncleanliness. There were rules that governed that as well. If a leper uh, stands under a tree, according to one rabbi's interpretation, uh, a clean man passes by just because he's passed by a leper. He becomes ceremonially unclean. It goes on to say, if a clean man stands under a tree and an unclean, a leper, passes by, then the former, the, the clean man, he remains clean. But if the leper came and stood under the tree with him, he would be unclean. So there was all kinds of, of different rules about this. You didn't want to get near a leper. You didn't want one to pass by you because you would become ceremonially unclean. But the surprising thing about this story is that Jesus reaches out, touches the leper, and says, I will, I will make you clean. And he is clean. If you look back at other 
healings of Jesus. He doesn't touch other people. Sometimes he does, sometimes he doesn't. But he doesn't have to touch anybody. In fact, we've read the one about the, the episode about the paralytic. He doesn't touch the paralytic. He just says, your sins are forgiven. And then he says, rise, take up your bed and walk. In chapter 3, he, he heals a man with a withered hand. And he doesn't touch him. In chapter 11, he heals a blind man just by his word. Blind Bartimaeus. He doesn't need to touch him. But Jesus senses that this man is hurting. He's been rejected by society because of his disease. He's had no human contact. And Jesus, in his love, reaches out and cleanses him because, as verse 41 tells us, he has pity on him. He has compassion on him. Jesus has this mission, and that's why he came, to have pity and to cleanse us. He wants to cleanse us. And, you know, the fact of the matter is, when Jesus touched this man, he would be considered ceremonially unclean because he's touched a leprous person. But in order to cleanse this man, he reaches out and touches him anyway. And that's just, again, a picture of what Jesus came to do when he came to earth. He becomes unclean so that we can be declared clean. He takes our sin upon himself. He becomes cursed because cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. He takes that upon himself so that we can become clean and so that we can be allowed into God's presence, so that we can be free to worship and have a relationship with God. So Jesus cleanses sinners. We need that cleansing in our life today, just like that leper did. We may not have uh, arms and legs falling off because of a skin disease, but our souls, Jesus tells us, are, are dark and full of sin. And of, and of uncleanness and unrighteousness. And Jesus, with his touch, his compassionate touch, will touch us and cleanse us. And he also will forgive us. We see that in the third section. Jesus forgives sinners. We have this amazing story uh, of Jesus preaching in a home. And these four men want to bring their paralytic friend. They've seen all the healings that Jesus has done, but they can't even get close to the door because it's packed. So they climb up on the roof and dig their way in and lower this paralytic man down uh, into the presence of Jesus. Now, if I were the paralyzed guy and, uh, and I had heard about the amazing things that Jesus had done to heal people, and I would be like, hey, guys, get me there. I don't want to be paralyzed anymore. And, you know, they get to the door and they can't get in. How disappointed he must have been. But his friends are, are working hard for him. And they carry him up and lower him right down in the presence of Jesus. And in that climactic moment, Jesus says to him, not rise, take up your bed and walk, but he says, your sins are forgiven. I would have said, now, wait a minute, Jesus. We don't, I didn't come for my sins to be forgiven. I want to walk. But you know what? Jesus saw the deeper need that this man had. What if he had just healed him and not forgiven him his sin? Well, that would have been a wonderful thing. Uh, he would have had the ability to walk again and, and be able to do so many things that he had not been able to do. But you know what? After a while, that wouldn't be enough because 
his sin would still be with him. His, his deepest problem would not be solved. It's the same with us quite often. I had a shower in a house that we bought in Jackson. And this shower, when we bought the house, was missing the grout on the floor. And that's not a good thing for your shower to be missing the grout between the tiles because the water's going to run down into the bottom of the house. In fact, it did, and, and the joist was rotten underneath the shower. In order to fix this, I uh, thought, well, we'll just get some new grout and I'll fill in the cracks and it'll be all good again. Well, I did that and, uh, you know, grouted it, sealed it, did it all proper, DIY-like. Well, a couple of days later, I noticed that the grout was cracking and flaking up and coming apart again. I was like, oh dear, this is not good. I didn't solve the problem at all. And so I ended up having to take the tiles off and recognize that the floor was curved in the shower, so it would drain, obviously, but the tiles weren't sitting flat. So there was a deeper problem that I had to get to. And that's the case in our lives. Often we want Jesus to do... Uh, certain things for us, but we don't get to the deepest need. But our deepest need is always a problem in our hearts. We need forgiveness. And Jesus has come to do that. Now, He did for this man everything that He needed to, be, to, to have done. He forgave him, gave him of His sins. He healed him. But we have to recognize that you know, when we come to Jesus, He's going to deal with our deepest need, not just these needs that we think we have. Our problem is not on the outside. It's underneath. Jesus sees past the paralysis to this man's real need, forgiveness. You know, we can try to change our circumstances often and try to fix the outside, but that's really not going to solve a problem because we can move away. We can do all kinds of different things. We can change our habits, our routines, but unless we've dealt with the, the deeper problem in our hearts, we're just going to take that deep problem the unforgiveness, the sin that dwells there, to the new circumstances, to the new practices. Jesus forgives sin because he knows that's our deepest need. Well, finally, we have this calling of Levi. Not only does Jesus seek sinners and cleanse sinners and forgive sinners, but he welcomes sinners. We see here, Levi was a tax collector, and tax collectors uh, were looked at uh, even... Uh, harsher than they are today. It's actually a respectable job now, no matter what many people would say. But in those days, it was not a respectable job at all because you were actually working for a foreign government. You were working for the occupying force, the Roman Empire. And the, Israel, the Israelites hated these Romans who were oppressing them. And oftentimes, the tax collectors were stealing from the people, taking more taxes than they were supposed to lining their own pockets. So tax collectors had a, a terrible and well-deserved bad reputation. And so Jesus calls Levi, and Levi, Matthew, goes and follows him. And when you see Jesus, you see him hanging out with these people. Tax collectors, prostitutes, sinners. And Jesus said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Jesus had meals with people. Now, the other night we went off, uh, it's our anniversary, we had a nice meal uh, with our friends, and, and I was in a restaurant with a lot of people. 
but I was having fellowship with these other three people at my table. I was actually sitting closer to a guy right behind me, but I didn't know who he was and didn't talk to him at all. But we were in the same building. We were all there together, but I wasn't in relationship with him. There's a big difference between sitting at a restaurant with people all around you and actually having people in your home to eat, even more so in the culture of Jesus' day. When you ate with somebody in Jesus' day, it meant that you were welcoming them into relationship. So Jesus was not afraid to have a relationship with people who were the outcasts of society, with lepers, with tax collectors, with prostitutes and sinners. It was the self-righteous people whom were rejected by Jesus because they didn't recognize their need. They didn't recognize like the leper that they needed cleansing. They didn't recognize like the paralytic that he needed healing and ultimately forgiving. But the people who are broken, uh, who are struggling in life, who are sinners, moral failures, those are the people whom Jesus welcomes but not the self-righteous. May we never be self-righteous, but always recognize that we are no better than anybody else because we all fall far short of God's standard of perfection and we are all in need of His cleansing, saving, forgiving grace. Jesus invites us into relationship with with Himself, into a close, intimate, personal, to sit down with Him and to, to, to have a meal with Him to be a part of his family even. He welcomes sinners. Have we recognized that about our, ourselves? That we are broken and in need of his saving grace. It's not a bad place to be when you recognize that. Because that's when you receive his compassion, his forgiveness, and his friendship. So I would invite us all today to come to Him, turning from our sin, turning from the slavery and bondage to corruption, and come to Christ for forgiveness and cleansing and welcome. Let's pray together. Father, we thank You for the grace that is ours through the Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray that You would help us all, Lord, to know You, and to come to you with our needs. Lord, no matter how bad we've been or how bad we are, help us, Lord, to be like the tax collectors and sinners and come willing and willingly into your presence, crying out to you for forgiveness and cleansing. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.